Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inspired Table podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. You know when you have a friend who always talks about another friend of theirs and you feel like you know them even though you've never met? Well, that was this week's guest for me. My beautiful friend, Cassie Mendoza-Jones, who I've interviewed on the podcast a couple of times, always speaks so highly of Helen Jacobs. And then when I found out that we had both been signed by the same publishing company in the very same acquisitions meeting, I knew that it was imperative that we chat. Helen Jacobs has worked as a psychic, channel and soul guide, teaching and mentoring individuals and groups across the globe for more than a decade. She shares psychic insights and channeled messages to help people connect with their own intuition, remember their life path and purpose, and ultimately be who they really are. You're going to love this deep dive that Helen expertly guides us through as we chat about intuition, spirit guides, and discovering your life's purpose. And remember, if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes. I'm Helen Jacobs. I'm a psychic and a channel and a soul guide, which basically means that I use my abilities to clairvoyantly see people's path and purpose. So I see my role as helping them to essentially remind them of their path and purpose. I help them connect to it and to live um, from it. And I help them do that by connecting with their own guidance. Beautiful. That That is so succinct. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a bit of practice. <laughs> Tell me, just for the people listening who may not be... Um, aware of what a channel is how would you describe that yeah so I describe channeling um, as the ability to essentially remove my human self and allow a higher being to essentially speak through me so there's not an interpretation involved so Most people are more familiar with a psychic who's sort of receiving information, interpreting it and passing it on, Mm. which I can also do. But a channel essentially allows that being 
to speak through them. And when I channel publicly for people, my voice changes, uh, my yeah, my language changes, wow. and you know, my I talk a lot with my hands anyway. Being audio, fortunately, you can't see that today. <laughs> I do uh, as well. Yeah, it's okay. so I'm already <laughs> I'm already talking with my hands. But when I'm channeling, it, it's like <laughs> it, it's off the chart. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So you know, sometimes in my case, I'm channeling higher beings, but I think that we can see artists who channel and that they they move that energy into their artwork or musicians or you know you've just written a book I, I suspect at stages you probably felt like there was something else moving through you too absolutely uh, so yeah that's that's what a channel is in simple form okay and I have another I have another question about the channeling process yeah do you so sometimes the you use the book as an example there were times where I would read back on stuff I'd written and be like where the hell did that come from I don't even remember writing that mm-hmm. uh, when you're in the process of channeling as you're speaking are you conscious as Helen at the same time or is it like do you feel like how does that work yeah I I feel like I have an awareness of it, uh, but it's certainly not me volunteering mm. that information. So, so sometimes I, I liken it to when I'm channeling, I liken it to becoming a telephone. Uh, or right now you and I are using Skype. So I sort of become Skype in that process. I'm, I'm a vehicle for it. I'm not necessarily retaining uh, or contributing to the conversation, but I'm providing a medium uh, for that energy to move through. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And was this something that you developed um, as an adult or, or had you always had this ability? So um, working as a channel certainly developed over time, but as a child... Um, certainly there was um, psychic ability, there was mediumship, and, and I guess I should just clarify, because I use the word medium as well, mediumship then is the ability to connect with the spirit of our deceased loved ones. Mm. So certainly as a child, um, there was mediumship and and psychic ability, but I was, you know, a kid, I didn't really know what that was yeah. other than... Um, not everyone else was seeing what I was seeing, nor were they, I, you know, very comfortable with what I was sharing. So it certainly was there as a child until I realized that perhaps, you know, in my head it shouldn't be. And then I started to, to try and close it off um, and successfully did so for a number of years. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> and did, were, were you quite comfortable with it? as a child like was it something that terrified you or was it something that you were just like oh you know what I don't think this is appropriate <laughs> I think uh, I need to shut this down yeah look it didn't terrify me I think the part that made it more difficult was that I no one else was really from what I could understand you know as a five six year old I'm interpreting the world from a from an immature viewpoint really mm. So I, I didn't really have any other reference point when I was starting to see people in our living room and realize that my mom or my sisters or my dad weren't really sure what I was talking about, that 
you know, I, I don't recall ever being that they ever shut me down per se, but I realized that it wasn't quote unquote normal. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, little things in hindsight, um, you know, as an example, I, I would often go, you know, to take my shower or I'd, or I'd use the bathroom and I would feel like I was being watched. So I would often sing. I was always singing and I realized now looking back, oh, I sung because it distracted me and I didn't feel like I was being watched. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, there's certainly a lot of things that make sense in my life with hindsight, but I was never terrified of the spirit world. Mm. I just didn't understand it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which I think is the case for many people, right? It's, it's yeah. the fear of the unknown. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I certainly get a lot of questions from people who want to open up to the world of spirit themselves, and many of them are scared of it. And, and I think, um, you know, we, we hear a lot of stories of negative energies or, you know, a, a darker sort of side to the world of spirit. Um, it's certainly not been my case of it, but I understand why people are cautious of opening up themselves. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just never been my experience with it. It's always been a very positive experience for me. So what was the turning point then for you where you decided that this was something that you wanted to explore more? Um, when life really didn't give me any <laughs> other choice. Oh, tell me about that. Um, so look, like I said, I, I had switched it off for, for many years. When I was... Um, uh, studying at uni, my aunt, my mum's sister passed away and she came back and showed me in absolutely no uncertain terms that this was something um, that I could do that that was important and I was able to relay messages that she gave me to some important people in her life. And yet, you know, this was something that, that overtook my body essentially for four hours in front of my mum and my dad and one of my sisters. Um, but truth be told, it still took me a number of years to do something with it because uh, we were in the midst of grieving the loss of my aunt. She only came back three weeks after she died. So I knew in no uncertain terms that this was something, you know, pivotal in my life. Um, uh, but I am human and I had all these other expectations in my mind of who I was meant to be. And so I just, you know, got back into the swing of studying and sought out the job and the, the you know, the life path or trajectory that really I'd absorbed from everyone else. And what, what was that trajectory? Uh, so my background professionally is actually in PR and marketing. Okay. So. I was studying journalism when my aunt came back to visit me and then I went on to have a business degree and I majored in PR and marketing and then worked in PR for probably about seven or eight years until another turning point where I actually went out to pursue giving readings. Um, so maybe I'm just a really slow learner, uh, but it did take me some time to put this into good use, I suppose. But also I think, you know, like... It's only in recent years, and tell me if you disagree with me, but it's only really in recent years that it's become okay, inverted commas, 
to make a career out of this type of work without it appearing to woo-woo or, you know, um, crystal balls and yeah. dark rooms and you know, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that, that at the one level, this sort of human earthly level, we've um, – progressed I guess but I also tend to see it from the soul level too that you know while I was having this experience there were all these other people you know whose souls had incarnated to be here at this particular time to allow a new uprising I guess so it's not just that we humans have become more um, comfortable with it I think it's actually part of the collective soul journey um, and so, you know, I'm a mother now as well. I'm really interested to see how this is going to evolve as these new souls are coming in too. Um, but, yeah, certainly it's not as taboo, um, certainly as when I was a child. Mm. Um, or even, you know, I, I've been doing this for a, around 10 years or so. I would say even the last five years it has changed dramatically. Do you feel like these gifts do we call them gifts? Is that what you call them? These gifts uh, that you have? Look, I suppose they are gifts. I, I don't think that I'm any more specially gifted than anyone else. But, mm. um, yeah, I think people refer to them as gifts. Okay. So I'll say gifts for now and we can yeah. interpret it later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these gifts, do you feel like they were something that is probably in your family lineage or do you think that it's just – someone's ability to uh, access them, have greater access to them, and we all kind of possess them. Yeah, I'm a little bit cautious of people who think that it's only something that's passed down through a family. Mm. Um, I mean, I could certainly see examples within my family, but I think it is, you know, our, our intuition, our ability to connect with something far bigger than us is not... Um, reserved for certain people I think we are all born with it and really it's what we do with it what we choose to do with it Um, you know I I often compare it to say you know you and I could sit down and play piano I don't know if you can play piano (laughs) but I can't no I can't either (laughs) and so let's say we both sit down I mean technically we can kind of mash at the keys and make a sound we, had, we both would possess an ability to play piano. Uh, but let's say that you had an inclination to then spend hours and hours practicing. Mm-hmm. Then your ability is going to be stronger than mine. Yeah. Uh, and that's really how I see this. Like we've all got the ability. We're actually born with this. I think the shame is that we're not using it. Yes. Um, but we all do have it. And do you think that this um overstimulated uh you know computer generated world that we currently live in blocks a lot of that look i think it can but we've also just said that we've seen you know uh, a sort of entering into the mainstream of this work too mm. so i don't i don't know that it's just that um certainly you know being overstimulated on instagram and constantly checking emails and all that sort of thing is one way that we can um sort of dull our inner voice yeah um 
but certainly there are other ways to dull it and ignore it. I think more than anything, it's our um, sort of obsession with thinking and planning and controlling and manipulating that actually shuts us down you know, from from that inner voice. And so often we're using technology to do that, but there are other ways that we do that too. Yeah. Okay, so let's explore that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Inner voice. Yes. Also could be called our intuition. Mm-hmm. How, how do you describe that to people? Um, I think in a really basic sense it is the, the inner hunch or a feeling a push or a pull in a particular direction. Mm. So um, it's it's really just our feeling on something. Um, but, you know, over the last 10-odd years or so, I've become really super curious about those feelings. And there is so much nuance and complexity in those feelings that, you know, just to have a feeling... Uh, let's say that you've got a feeling to change your job. You know, that that's quite a big feeling. How do you process that? How do you interpret that and then act on it? Mm. You know, there's there's so much layered information within that feeling that if we actually learn how to hone in on the complexity, then we've actually got this really rich intuitive data. Um, rather than flying by the seat of our pants and going, oh, I'm going to quit my job, <laughs> um, which, by the way, I did do. Yes, um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I laugh because I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, however, I think that, that we, can, we can also find a balance um, and really understanding our feelings in far greater detail. Okay, so I know that you are writing a book at the moment and it does talk a lot about a lot of this stuff, but how, how can we begin to access that intuition? Like what are some starting steps for people? Mm-hmm. Well, we sort of touched on it before that there's certainly a lot of activities that are dulling that inner voice. So I always recommend that the starting place is to create some stillness and silence and space in our lives. So that means different things for different people. But it's very hard to hear that inner voice when everything else is shouting over it. Mm. Um, once we've been able to create, you know, that, that space and stillness and silence, um, we actually need to feel. We actually need to allow our, ourselves to feel what we're feeling. And we've also... Um, uh, sort of stopped that process um, so we have to actually connect with our feelings um, there are some tools that people can use and it's not the tool itself um, but some tools that I used was journaling I used oracle cards and then ended up creating a deck of my own um, you know there may be different things for different people other people you know are really connected in with essential oils or crystals or it's really just we will naturally be drawn to the thing that's going to help us connect it might be meditation or yoga um, it really doesn't matter what the thing is as long as there is something that we can use as a gateway to begin that process um, and really, that, that's the simple starting point that I wish, you know, if, if all of us got to that point, 
we'd already see dramatic change in our lives, let alone starting to interpret it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the thing that I have found in conversation with people that confuses them with their own intuition is how they're receiving messages. So mm-hmm. for me, I I really feel it on a, on a feeling level, you know, like I just get that gut feeling or that feeling in my heart space and I just, I just know. But there's different ways that people can interpret their own intuition, right? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said before, at its very basic intuition is the feeling. Beyond that, we also have psychic senses, and I think that may be what you're sort of alluding to, that mm. that there's a range of information that is coming to us. That um, so, so, you know, people are usually – familiar with the term clairvoyance, which essentially just means clear seeing. But we also have um, uh, clear sentience, which really is our intuition, that feeling. Um, But we can smell information, um, so not physically smell it, but psychically smell it, psychically taste it, psychically know it. Um, uh, I I don't know how many senses I've mentioned there. Oh, we can also um, hear it as well. So that starts to move into these non-physical senses that on a technicality, I don't call that our intuition. I then think that moves it. This is just my personal um, interpretation of it, but I think it moves us then out of that intuitive state into a psychic state and into an energetic non-physical state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, If we can begin to access our intuition and strengthen mm-hmm. our intuition, I guess the next step is really how to trust it. Like how to how to trust in yourself enough? Mm. Is that is that the key, do you think? Uh, I think they certainly go hand in hand. I I think that, and I often will will refer to this like any other relationship. We we have to develop trust in it. Um, and I think people think that I'm being kind of silly when I, when I say this, but honestly, I think the best way that we develop a, a, a trust in our intuition is through trial and error. Yeah, it's certainly been my experience. And, and I know that we're sort of looking for some magic bullet, but, um, <laughs> there's not, um, there's not. There's not. No. <laughs> Spoiler, you're, you won't find that in my book when it comes out. Um, but certainly by, by developing a relationship, by developing this trust through trial and error. And because, I, you know, I said before that there's so much nuanced information here that we're essentially learning a new language. So, you know, if, if we went to go and learn French, for example, we're not going to be fluent on day one. You know, we we have to start with the basics and we build up and and we can then put together a sentence and then we can hold a conversation. It's the same sort of thing with our intuition or even our psychic senses that – and I think this is why people kind of don't necessarily want to stick with it so much because it's not a quick fix. It is a real lifestyle change. Mm. Um and you know often wrapped up in this question around trust is also um a question around fear because our fear is also a feeling 
and we don't know whether we're trusting our fear or trusting something bigger that's guiding us yes. and and we we don't necessarily know which one to trust because of course our fear wants to keep us safe um, and, and it wants to keep us um, not necessarily wanting to keep us small but it will certainly feel like it's trying to keep us small um, so there's there's usually some sort of leap of faith at some point in in, in trusting something beyond it. And that's also why I would recommend to people just to start small. You know, we joked before about um, making the leap and, and changing careers, which <laughs> both you and I did. Um, however, you know, not everyone has to have <laughs> Let's not all start. quit our jobs this week. <laughs> and, and I think it's also really important that quitting our job is not necessarily what our intuition always wants us to do, mm. but it, it may feel like that. Um, uh, so in any case, if we start small, it might be just experimenting with what we want to eat or the appointments that we want to keep or what we want to wear that if we're tuning into our intuition on these sort of seemingly mundane, you know, moments in our day, that is also how we build trust. It's also how we develop a relationship because, you know, this this is actually the first time you and I are speaking in, well, not quite in the flesh but online. <laughs> you know, if, if we were to run away and get married today, that that's like taking our relationship, you know, into something quite deep and meaningful straight away. Yes. Whereas, you know, if we get to know one another and let's say that we were going to date and we, we were going to become familiar with one another. Even if we don't get married, we might have this really beautiful friendship where we trust one another and it's the same with our intuition. Yeah, beautiful. I love what you said before about trial and error because I really think that when we knowingly ignore our intuition and things don't pan out how we'd like them to, and we have that moment, and I say this because it happened to me just the other day, where I was like, <laughs> I knew I should have done that. Like I knew and I consciously ignored it, and this is the situation I'm in now. But what mm. that does is it allows me next time to go, Jord, listen to yourself, you know. And I think it's the only way that you kind of get to that point where you can really start to trust in yourself. Absolutely, and hopefully whatever you know you ignored for yourself wasn't like major life changing no but but you know often we'll have it as these little taps on our shoulder and then it will build up and build up to what i say is like a smack about the head if we're able to have built up that little bit of trust we're using it in these sort of mundane experiences when we come to the bigger choices say changing our careers or you know, moving house or whatever it is that we're doing, then we're more likely to trust it in those moments. Yes. Uh, and then sometimes we don't do it and we learn. So both <laughs> yeah. both ways we're going to learn. Yeah. I know which way I'd rather learn. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but you're right. It's still it's still a benefit both ways, isn't it? Because you're still growing and learning and expanding from that. Correct. And ultimately, that's what our soul is here to do. Our soul is just here to have an experience. Now, our human self wants us to have some sort of finite, um, clear trajectory 
in front of us, our soul just wants to explore. So we want to ha- like get it right. Mm. Oh, am I, am I using my intuition right? Am I making the right decisions? Whereas to our soul, it's like either way we're going to learn the lesson and that's perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so this is us. Our intuition is our inner guidance. Now, you also speak of spirit guides. Can you? Mm, I do. Can you? (laughs) I want to say that's an external guidance, but perhaps it's not. Can you kind of explore the concept of spirit guides and, you know, whether we all have them and how we recognize them? Look, I think it's kind of easier to think of them as more of an external guidance or or I tend to say a higher guidance. Higher guidance, beautiful. Um, that they're not the same thing as our intuition. Uh, so, you know, on a technicality, they are external from us. But if we think of them then as a higher guidance, um, they are – Um, what I describe as non-physical beings um, that uh, specifically a spirit guide would be assigned to us humans uh, to ensure that we remember why we've incarnated, why we've come here. So when we're not in physical body, there's and I don't like the word hierarchy, but it's the closest we have in our language there's a a range of of beings so a spirit guide is a type of being like i said that's assigned to help us um with our spiritual path and our, our spiritual journey so i think that we have at least one spirit guide assigned to us from birth to death in this particular lifetime but anyone who's followed my work for any length of time will know that i i talk about a spiritual support team so within that team, we can have a range of not only spirit guides, but perhaps other guiding beings, angels, archangels, ascended masters, a, a whole gamut of beings um, that also have this vested interest in our experience in this human lifetime. So based on these being higher, um, and I use that word you know, in inverted commas, but a, a higher source of guidance to us that know our path and know our purpose if we're actually able to raise our vibration to meet them and to connect with them and to receive their guidance, then we've kind of got this um, really rich information about what we're doing here on the planet and why we came here and what we're meant to be experiencing and what we have to offer like I get so jazzed by this because it's like we're not alone we're not meant to be fumbling around in the dark we're not meant to be having these shut down closed insular isolated experiences there is just so much more available to us that's actually working in our favor um like, why wouldn't we want that kind of guidance? No, we absolutely do want that kind of guidance. Yeah. So how do, how do we then as humans, how do we connect and communicate with our spirit guides? Hmm. So often I, um, you don't have to start with intuition. That certainly wasn't my experience. My, <laughs> my experience was blowing myself wide open to all of spirit at once. But, you know, for, for most people, um, if we if we're able to build that foundation of trusting our feelings, trusting you know we we spoke about the psychic senses before, 
our spirit guides are more likely to use our intuition um, and certainly our psychic senses to connect. So this is where it's it's important for us to be increasing our vibration um, and actually if we've started working with our intuition it's naturally going to be giving us the guidance that we need to be able to increase our vibration we just think that we're making decisions about food or what we're eating or our jobs but actually it's guiding us into an energetic um, frequency that allows us to meet with our spirit guides mm. so you know, sometimes people will start to receive these intuitive nudges or guidance that feel like it's got nothing to do with anything. Um, But it is actually creating an environment for us to meet with our spirit guides. So if you think of it like a spectrum, right? So if our spirit guides are at one end, and this isn't actually accurate, it's just to depict a point I'm trying to make but if our spirit guides are at one end and we fleshy you know tangible humans are at the other end we sort of need to meet somewhere in the middle Mm. and so uh, it's actually quite difficult for for spirit to come to our really dense earthly level and so if we can meet them halfway by increasing our own vibration then we sort of begin to open the floodgates for them to reach us and to communicate with us. Um, Certainly we can reach for them or, or, you know, many people tell me that they've had experiences of connecting with their spirit guides in the past. But what I'm painting here is like a, a a new normal, a sustained um, ability to connect with them in everyday life, not just a one off. Mm. Yeah. So what, what, I hate to use the word action steps, but what <laughs> action steps could we take to meet them halfway? Like how, how do we access that halfway point? Okay. So first and foremost, follow your own intuition because it's going to give the individual guidance you know, rather than my blanket explanation for everyone listening, you know, someone's intuition is going to be best best placed for the specifics for them. Yes. But generally speaking, um, you know, in, in my particular case, I use a lot of meditation and I have guided meditations that help people to, to connect with their spirit guides. Beautiful. Sometimes it is actually working with our chakras and our aura in order to um, clear uh, our, for want of a better description, clear our energy out so that we can, uh, you know, sort of move up that sliding scale of of our energy. When we have that clearer, connect, uh, clearer flow of energy, then we will simply start to see and hear and feel our spirit guides. Um, so, as I said, meditation is a really useful way, particularly guided meditation. In my journaling, I actually um, used something called automatic writing, which is channeling in written form. Mm. Um, And for me, that was a way and still is a way that I connect with my spirit guides. You know, there's there's different, um, uh, I guess, divination tools. Um, I'm somewhat reluctant for people to use them willy-nilly but you certainly can use pendulums um I, you know there's a reason that 
psychics of old used crystal balls and scrying and all these kinds of things. But th- those can certainly help too. It's certainly not what I usually recommend, but it is an avenue for people also. And as um, someone who works as a channel and a psychic and a medium, are people mm-hmm. able to... I mean, I know that I've had a lot of psychic readings where I've been told about certain spirit guides that are with me. Is that something that you do in sessions with people? Connect them with their spirit guides? Um, perhaps not in the way in which you're describing it. Uh, you know, often people will ask me what their guides' names are or, or if they're to take on some sort of form, what form that might be. I've got to be really honest and say it's just not the way that I, I do things. Mm. And and to be honest, it's not really in my experience what <clears throat> at least my spirit guides anyway have been all that interested in either. Um, but no, so, so I don't necessarily bridge them in that way, bridge my clients in that way. I, I tend to relay information um, and then we'll also sort of create, it's funny that you said about action steps because a lot of the work that I do brings in this really tangible, earthly, um, practical way of, you know, doing this work. So I actually end up just giving people either their action steps or lead them through the process um, so that in their own right, they will connect with them, okay. with their spirit guides. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Because, I mean, we are here on earth. You know. Right. <laughs> like we're human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. And we do have to take action. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. No, I like that. That's the way that I interpret a lot of this stuff as well because, you know, we do have to relate it to our own very practical earthly lives. So um, it's nice to be able to make that a little bit more tangible, all of that very esoteric kind of information. Mm. Um, okay. So we've now connected with our own intuition and the guidance of our spirit guides. What, what can we do with all of this information? Like how can we use it to improve or expand or, you know, like what, what, what do we do? What do we do with all this sort of stuff? Okay. So it depends which part of us is asking the questions. If we let our ego run this, then usually we want to, um, essentially we, we start to use our intuition or spirit guides as a new means to the same end and it's not going to work and we won't get very far, but spirit will let us learn that the hard way. Um, the bigger picture here is that this kind of guidance is available to us to remember who we are at the soul level, why we have incarnated the, you know, we were talking about gifts before, you know, we, we do have a range of soul gifts that we have accumulated and um, honed over many, many lifetimes. There are particular soul contracts that our soul has made and then come into this human form. And as humans, it's like, oh, my God, I don't recall any of this. So by working with our intuition and spirit guides, A, it's going to connect us back in with our soul and our soul blueprint and the, the agreements, the karma, the purpose, you know, the whole gamut of why we're really here. And so ultimately, this guidance is to help us remember ourselves at that level, but also to start making decisions in our life as humans uh, geared 
in that direction. So we start to, um, not only have we started to increase our vibration, but we will also be guided into, you know, we've, we've joked a few times about changing jobs. You know, we, we will start to be guided into either new jobs or careers or vocation that allows us to bring through the truth of who we really are. So mm. all of this information is to remind us of who we really are and why we're here. And of course, we're all kind of looking for that, right? But we're looking maybe in the wrong places to begin with. Um, and so it actually starts to take us on this journey, what I call a, a guided journey, where we start to move through an inner transformation. We start to move through um, a transformation in what we're bringing through. Uh, and so you know, it's it's often then when we see people, you know, maybe I don't think that we need to be posted children for this, but but we're examples, right? Of well, we have changed our job and we we are doing work that not only lights us up, but but that our soul has come here to do, uh, and that that's available to each and every one of us. It doesn't always mean that we're going to get paid for that work or that it has to become a career. Um, but if we can weave it into all of the activities that we're doing, um, you know, I think that that guidance becomes really useful in our relationships and our communities, in our health, in our financial well-being, in, you know, all of these facets of our life, not just what we happen to do for a living. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I have a I have a really kind of sticky point when it comes to mixing career with life path and life purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I've had experience where I've often felt this like heaviness that's fallen upon my what I believe to be my purpose when I have to support myself financially through it it adds Mm. pressure and um i i felt feelings of fear and resentment come around that and i've really had to kind of like rework it so that um the pressure's kind of taken off me a little bit have you ever had experience with that whether it's with (laughs) yourself or with your clients uh both i'm giggling because it has (laughs) been my experience this year um I mean, I've certainly had um, since I've I've had this as my career as well as my my mission in in life. Um, but there was a, an experience earlier this year where I was actually channeling live on a webinar for a couple of hundred people, and you know, you asked me before about my own awareness, so I'm channeling, but I also have an awareness in the background where spirit says to me, "Step back from the business and rest." I was like, oh, my God, I've got all these. Yes. (laughs) So literally, you know, I completed the channeling and got off the call and went, oh, my gosh. And, I, you know, I started working with my own spirit guides because I I, as a – so also my background is in PR and marketing. I I understand, you know, how to run a business after 10 years. Uh, So I had all these plans and I had this, you know, my life plan had got in the way again. So, you know, I had actually – put some pressure on my abilities to contribute to my finances and to mm-hmm. keep paying a team and, you know, to contribute to my family too. And so 
yeah, I I know to listen to my guidance and I, I stepped back and, you know, there were a few months there where I really didn't <laughs> didn't really make any money. But it's it's um for me, I think time and time again it's part of my own learning. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert has some really great work on this where she talks about in her just as an example in her life you know her vocation or what I would call purpose is to write um, but she talks about while she was writing in the early days her job was as a waitress I believe I hope I, I don't have that incorrect but so she didn't have any pressure on her writing to be the source of income for her mm. um, and I think it's so important that you know, we a we we don't confuse the two, and b that we don't rush to make something of our purpose. It yeah. actually puts so much pressure on us and our families, our our communities that we're a part of, um, and it can actually take us out of the flow of what spirit is actually wanting to highlight for us, and also what soul wants us to share and transmit. Because otherwise, it becomes a muddied transmission to sell something. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to bring all that up because I know that there are a lot of people out there that do confuse the two and think that they're one and the same. Like, you yeah. know, if you love the work that you do, you'll never work a day in your life, which is absolutely true. But it's also mm-hmm. like it doesn't, they don't have to be one and the same, your life purpose and your career. Well, that's absolutely true, and and I think that there's another element to this, um, just to slightly go off topic a little bit, but, you know, part of what I look at is the bigger collective journey, and so, you know, we're seeing, um, fortunately, although it's challenging while we're in it, we're seeing these changes in our ideas around uh, gender and race and sexuality and uh, the patriarchy, and, you know, if, if we look you know, we've, we've spoken a bit about um, careers. If we look at how corporations have run, you know, so if someone is listening and they're employed elsewhere and they have this separate uh, passion and purpose outside of their career, it's not just about jumping ship from corporate to make your purpose a viable um, income stream although that can work, what about actually taking your purpose, your passion, your interests into corporations? What Mm. if we're actually able to change the patriarchal nature of business by having people who are going through a spiritual awakening in the very structures we're wanting to change? What if teachers were actually bringing this into our school systems? And what if nurses and doctors, and actually I've worked with a lot of them, who want to take this into our, our you know, medical field? It's, it's, not, it's not just about making it work for us, but there's so many other ways that our purpose can be of use, um, you know, while also getting paid in these in these um, institutions as well. So I just wanted to mention that because often uh, I think it's something that's really overlooked. And again, I get really passionate about it because the only way that we're going to change these things is by being in it and changing it. Absolutely. <laughs> we can't all just stand on the outside and throw stones at it. Yeah, um, I, I really love that. And that's something yeah. that people can start really thinking about today, right? Like you don't have to make these massive changes in your life to be 
on purpose or to be of service or to make a difference in the world, you can start making those little changes right now from your desk. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think it's it's also part of what I teach that being of purpose is actually like in this moment, this is the only moment that we have. And so for you and I, we're speaking to one another. And so hopefully I can be of service to you and to whomever may end up listening to this. Uh, when I get off this call, uh, I don't know, I'll probably go and make myself a cup of tea. It's only me at home, right? But in that moment, my purpose is to have my attention on making that cup of tea, mm. of, of being present with the cup of tea. It doesn't sound like much, but if I then go into, and I've got another meeting this afternoon, I'm, I'm meeting with a client, then I, then I'll be of purpose there. So if someone is, you know, moment by moment in an organization or they're a mother at home with their children or they're being served at the local coffee shop by their barista, that if we are being our true selves in that moment and in that exchange, then we are already on purpose without it having to be a pathway, a career, a trajectory. It is us in our truest form and essence, knowing that we've been placed in front of the exact people we need to be in front of. We don't have to orchestrate all of this. We're in front of the people we need to be in front of. And if that happens to be the person who's serving us our morning coffee, for example, uh, then <laughs> my favorite person of the day, right? <laughs> so, although I'm trying to come off caffeine, but I've just mentioned a lot of coffee. So, <laughs> so, so if, if that is our example, right, that, that if we can be truly present now, most of us aren't present in that moment, right? We're no. oh, that white. Thank you. Here's my $4. And, yeah. and we go and sit in isolation. It changes, right? If we turn up and we genuinely are like, hello, let me open myself to you. Not necessarily bear everything, but like let me be present to who you are and where you are. Gee, you're really busy this morning. I, or just acknowledging that, wow, thank you. I come in every morning. Uh, you make such a difference to my day. Mm. Like that is being of purpose. That yeah. is purposeful. That's it, guys. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's it. We're, we're done. <laughs> Life purpose tick. No, I think that's really important because there there sort of has been this communication around this that it's like, you know, it has to be super profound and life-changing and we've got to change the world with our purpose. But it's like being on purpose in the moment. Well, we don't know. In that example with our barista, by acknowledging them and thanking them, we don't know what impact we've just had on them. Yeah. We might have actually just caused a ripple effect that we will never know of. So that one purposeful interaction is potentially incredibly life-changing, but it hasn't had to look like an Instagrammable moment or it hasn't had to look like um, being paid a gazillion dollars yeah. for that exchange. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me, Helen, tell me a little bit about this book. We, we excitingly have the same publisher. Yes, we do. Which is super exciting. Um, what, what, how far along are you? What's going on? Give me an update. Okay. So um, the book itself is essentially everything that we've been talking about um, with a lot of my experience and some uh, client case studies in there as well. 
So I realized that um, I work better under pressure. I sort of tried to create all this empty space to write the book and just sort of faffed about. So I've now filled my calendar with a lot of client (laughs) appointments and set myself new deadlines. Mm. So um, that being said, I've also got two children in this mix. So I've got the first draft done, um, which is 70,000 words of drivel, uh, and I'm now reworking it. So I'm about a third of the way through the work through. Um, and hopefully my goal is to have it all done and dusted by Christmas. Um, so fingers crossed. And how, how have you found the writing experience? I'm assuming you're channeling a lot of it. Well, look, it's a different kind of channeling. So there are certainly portions of the book where I'm sharing um, excerpts of my channeling but I guess what I'm bringing through is a different kind of energy so um, and there's I'm trying to to also interpret things because sometimes when I'm channeling verbatim it is really quite esoteric Um, (laughs) so I'm, I'm trying to find you know the the middle ground and make it accessible yeah. and relatable also um so it'll have a mix of there's a lot of me in there there is some channeled guidance and also you know a lot of really practical you know uh tools and techniques for people too if people want to um access some of your work now are there are there offerings available to people yeah, so people can definitely come on over to the website and see the offerings that are there. At the moment, actually, one of the things that I'm doing is working with um, people to one-on-one to find their path and purpose mm-hmm. and, and to start to really bring through whatever they feel is coming through them. Uh, there is um, a program called Guided Living that's on the website, which is essentially a lot of what we've spoken about. It sort of takes people through the process that I went through in connecting with their intuition and, you know, meeting their spirit guides, working with their chakras, increasing their vibration and also receiving insight as to, you know, who they are and why they're here. Um, But hopefully, I'm not sure when, when this will be released, but hopefully in the new year I've got some exciting new things coming out too. Oh, beautiful. All right, well, I'll put your website in the show notes so people can check you out over there um, and some of your social media handles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so lovely talking to you because this is our first time speaking to each other. Yes, well, yeah. hopefully it's it's the first of many conversations. I've had such a blast. I can't believe that we've finished already. Clearly, I can talk about this all day. I Thank know, they so do much. go so fast. You're so welcome. It was such a pleasure. If you enjoyed listening to the sweet, dulcet tones of my voice, is that too much? A bit creepy? <laughs> if you enjoy listening to my voice, I have just released a set of six manifestation audio sessions they are sessions that i did earlier with a group of keen and eager manifestation masterminders and you get 
to listen to all six recordings. If you're keen to learn my foolproof manifestation formula and dive deep into how to manifest more money, love, purpose, self-worth and work, then I suggest you check out these sessions. They are available for download now over on my website, Jordana Levine, that's J-O-R-D-A-N-N-A-L-E-V-I-N.com forward slash the dash manifestation dash audio dash sessions all of the dashes (laughs) the beauty of these teachings is that just like this podcast you can listen to them on the go bonus and all of these teachings became the basis for the new book that i have just written that will be on shelves in may 2019 and i cannot wait for you guys to read it so until next time you want to see what I'm up to come and hang out with me on Instagram if you're listening to this podcast take a snap of it and put it on your insta stories that's how I find what podcast to listen to by looking at what people have shared on their insta story so I would love you to share this one and until next time I'm Jordana Levine wishing you an inspirational week up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 